You look amazing. Don't you love seeing people without their mask on? Good to see your mouths. I'm not good at smiling with my eyes. My wife is helping me. I smile. I'm all mouth. I'm like, and she's like, you, gotta, you can't see your mouth. You can't see you're smiling. So you got to learn to s- smile with your eyes. So I'm working on that. But what I have found, there's a phenomenon going on when, you, when you're walking and there's a crowd of people. If you don't have your mask, um, the, the sea will literally part. So we're having miracles. Like, and uh, I, I have this weird allergy where I, when I get around people or I put a mask on, I cough. And I don't know why. I was like, stop coughing. I'm like, I don't know what happens. Every time I put a mask on, Going to Safeway, I start coughing. I don't know if it's the mask, but anyways, figuring it out. We're all learning. It's the knuckleball that's been pitched to us, and we are learning. We're growing. We're striving, and I believe that the Lord is in your life, leading, guiding, strengthening, protecting, guarding you, and I believe, I really believe this with all my heart, that this really can be one of the greatest seasons of your life. You can look back and go, there was a win. We moved forward. I learned a lot. I grew because God has given us the spirit that has the power to endure. Amen? Amen. All right. So today's talk, we have this illustrious panel that I'm so glad that they're here. And we're going to have a talk. We're going to kind of deep dive into some, some great discussions. But today's subject is called moon dust. Moon dust. Now, show up by show of hands, how many here has ever been to the moon? How many has ever been to the moon? Anybody here? Okay, we have one in the back, all right? Myra Bohan has been to the moon, all right. Maybe that was uh, pre-Christ days and uh, at some event, all right? I don't know, but uh, God is good and you're back here on planet Earth, all right? How many, here, how many here doesn't believe that we landed on the moon? You don't believe we landed on the moon, like my brother-in-law who's, okay, all right, we got two. I know two people now who don't believe and he sends me stuff, he's like, you got to check this out, you got to check this out. Anyways, so if that's you, that's all right, but... If, if, if for the rest of us, uh, I want to talk about moon dust for just a minute because I want you to kind of think in these terms as we get into this subject. I want us to talk about some of the moon dust that's got into the capsule. And what I mean by this is this first thing. One, there is a smell that the moon has. The moon has a smell. You don't smell it when you're on the moon. Neil Armstrong, Buzz, not Lightyear, Aldrin, um, when they got back into <coughs> the capsule and the air uh, filled the capsule, they could smell the moon. There was actually, the, the moon dust has a smell. It smells not like sulfur, but more like gunpowder or like a firecracker went off. And that's all good if, you're, if it's 4th of July and you like firecrackers, whatever. It's not good if that dust, when there's zero gravity, is now floating in the air and you're breathing it in and tasting it. It's not good if it has positive and negative charges and is getting on your equipment and you can't use it. No one calculated the moon dust, the moon dust. Now, why is moon dust, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, one of the big things that Jesus did was he wiped or he washed the disciples' feet. What does that mean? It means that when you go through life, God wants not only to do this for you, but for us to do this for each other. We wipe the dust off of our feet or we, we wash each other's feet. As we go through life, we collect things. We went through this thing. We went through this trial. We went through this temptation. And we collect the dust from that season. And there's a lot of dust that's been collecting. Now, with moon dust, here's what they said. read this in an article this week, okay? This wasn't going to be called moon dust, but I read this really cool article in the Smithsonian. I loved it. So it talked about the sun side. You know, there's a moon side and the sun side of the moon. Sorry, there's the moon side Sorry, there's the sun side and there's the dark side of the moon. And the sun side, I got it. I finally got it. The sun side, because of the sun, the radiation, it causes, it causes the electrons to move and it, it positively charges the moon dust. And then on the dark side of the moon, because of the solar winds, it causes the dust to be negatively charged. So when you get negative and positive dust in uh, a vacuum, and then you get it into your, your capsule, it does, it does weird things, and it sticks to you. And if you look at, if you look at the, the, the actual astronaut suit, you'll find those who, Apollo 11, 12, not 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you'll find that it just collected, collected. And once they went back to Earth, it now at zero gravity floated around and got into everything, including 
including their lungs. It was a big, big problem. NASA didn't see coming. Anyways, long story short is there are things that we in this season are getting stuck on us. Things that we're collecting don't even realize it. So today what we're going to do is we're going to clean out some of the moon dust. Can I get an amen from anybody? All right, here we go. So uh, our illustrious panel, uh, Eric Birkenes, uh, Megan Oy, and uh, the one and only Joe Edwards, all right? And we've done this twice now, so this is our third time to do it, and every time it just gets better and better, and we're just going to have fun. So um, Eric, I want to start with you. Um, I, I want you to talk to us about how to win from within. Like people in this season, um, there's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of internal struggle, temptation, idleness, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to us about how to win. Yeah. So um, uh, pre-COVID, uh, April, I turned 50. And uh, thank you. <clears throat> and uh, I was having a phenomenal time. I was... Coming into 50, I was like, okay, I want the second half of my life to be intentional. I don't want to just be reacting like I always have. And, and so I fasted 40 days going into my 50th birthday, lost 50 pounds, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm holding it off, so that's cool. Um, so I feel great, but I was feeling great totally mentally and spiritually going into year 50. And then COVID hit, and I was still holding strong. And then all this unrest started hitting, and I found my mentality shifting and slipping and, and things going on in my inner world. And um, so as I was praying about it, God reminded me of years past when I was struggling with some addiction, something that's common to man. Um, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, you do that, that sin for comfort. I was like, okay. And then the Holy Spirit said, well, you know, my name is Comforter and Counselor. And I was like, okay. And then Holy Spirit's like, so that means that thing's an idol. And I'm like, wow, dang, okay. So started this process of God just uh, teaching me about me, about what goes on inside of me. And um, I started to realize some issues, that there was a wound. There were some wounds from way back in my life that set basically hurt. It was a wound that needed a medication, if you will. And the enemy, now who knows here that the enemy can't do anything of his own, yeah. right? So he can only steal, right? And he can pervert, right? So every human that I've ever met wants what's true. And so the enemy, when the enemy comes, he can't just be opposite of God. He's got to mimic God for us to be deceived. And so what I found is that as I had a wound that needed a medicine, what he brought to copy the Holy Spirit was a false comfort. Remember, Holy Spirit's comforter and counselor? Well, as I receive a false comfort, it opens the door for false counsel inside. And this starts ending up just twisting me inside and creating dysfunctional thinking. And so um, as I started to understand that, God um, started just bringing me revelation to what what it takes and what does it mean to take thoughts captive and so that was just really critical and i found myself here in this season ah i need to take thoughts captive because because there's some dysfunctional things some fear some anxiety that started emerging so so you you talked about lie and we we believe we teach here that at the root of every sin is a lie there's something we're believing that's wrong about God, his yeah. faithfulness, something we're believing wrong about ourselves. Amen. So talk about that inner working, the lie versus truth, the yeah. voices. Amen. That's great. That's a good question. So um, God actually started giving me some insight there, and, and uh, he shows me pictures. And uh, so he showed me Tom and Jerry. Anybody remember Tom and Jerry? <laughs> yeah? All right. And, and it's uh, for, for younger generations. Uh, Emperor's New Groove has it. Homer Simpson has the same imagery. For me, he showed me Jerry, little mouse Jerry, who um, was mad at Tom and got really mad. And then all of a sudden, on one shoulder pops up a demon, and on the other shoulder pops up an angel. And there's this coaching going on for what he should do. And, and so what God showed me about me is that I've got this same battle inside me, right? I've got this coaching. And what he showed me was what I thought was just my own thoughts in my mind. He's like, no. 
It's not a monologue, a single person's voice. There's a dialogue going on up in here. And, and the, he started to expose lies. And in exposing the lies, then he showed me a really powerful truth. What I agree with, I empower. And so if I agree with a lie, I empower that lie, and that becomes my life. But if I agree with God and the Holy Spirit, if I take his comfort and then his counsel, then I agree with that, and that is empowered in my life. So my action in obeying these suggestions is my agreement, and it, it sets the course of my life. Wow. How many can witness that there's a dialogue that goes on? And we say it like this, when we, when we have the right view, we know what to do. When that's scrambled and there's moon dust and there's all these elements that are, that are you know, clogging up our view, um, we, we, we don't discern right. And so we live in an echo chamber now where there's so many opinions and so many ideas. And we have to have the gift of discernment. Everybody say discernment. discernment. So let, I want us to pause and I want us to pray for that. I feel like this is a really important moment because I want you to pray for it and I want you to pray for it for the rest of the body of Christ in these, this season because it so easily get tricked and deceived. Let us have discernment to know the difference between the voice of the enemy, our voice, and the voice, the voice of the Lord. Amen? Heavenly Father, we pause right now and we ask for the gift. We ask for discernment so we can know the difference not only between right and wrong, good and evil, but between the voice of the Lord that is true and the voice of Satan that is the father of all lies. Help us to not come into agreement with the wrong voice, but be in agreement with the Holy Spirit to find victory, the victory that is in Christ, that is being echoed in the earth through the Holy Spirit, speaking not of himself, but of Christ. We honor you, Lord. We receive it. We will never be the same. The gift of discernment has been released. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. And I want you to pray for discernment every day. Every day. Every day. All right? Megan, what's some of the moon dust that's affecting our young adults, college-age students? You're a leader of college-age students. Talk about it. What's some of the moon dust? Yes, there's definitely a lot of moon dust going around right now. I think two of the biggest things that I've been struggling with, college students have been struggling with, young adults, and I'm sure that um, anyone who's older or younger that, than that can relate, is kind of gauging where we're at during this time. I think a lot of our identity is found most of the time in how other people around us are acting and our future. I think a lot of our identity is based on that typically, and I think during this season, both of those things have been removed, and a lot of us are not able to gauge where we're going, not able to gauge how we're doing, and so it can lead you down this spiral of questions of, especially for college-age students who are deciding what they're about to do with their life, a career path to choose, all that kind of stuff of, well, am I going into the right career path? Is this the right thing for me? Is this how it's going to end? Am I really living out my purpose? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And those thoughts can go rampant and lead you down that um, cycle. And it's really hard to have your identity grounded in something that isn't a solid foundation um, so about two weeks ago, I was actually reading in Matthew 7, where it talks about building your life and your house on a solid foundation. Um, and I never recognized this before, but it actually said solid rock. And then it refers to how the house built on sand during a storm will fall. And I think a lot of times, especially with young adults, we can realize that our foundations aren't as strong as we think they are when storms come. So especially in the Christian world, I think we build a lot of our lives and our houses on half rock and half sand. And we let God into certain aspects of our life and certain parts of our life. And then the other parts of our life, we still let the world determine and build it on sand, which obviously we know isn't. Um, a solid foundation. So just during this time, using it as a reset period is something that I've been trying to encourage not only myself, but all of our young adults to do, um, to reset our foundation and really plan it on the word of God, something that will last forever because so much around us is changing. And the one thing that we know never changes is the word of God. It's the thing that will withstand the test of time. Amen. That's a good word too, huh? Yeah. So the world's shaking. And there's people hoping it gets better. There's people who are hoping it gets worse. There are people who don't know. But at the end of the day, everything that 
can be shaken. Everything that's shakable will be shaken. So if we're linked to God, that's so good. And the, fu- you know, the future, when you said that in one of the services, maybe the first one, made me think of like the cooking station and the old Martha Stewart where she would cook and show all like she's mixing and put these ingredients in three eggs. And the secret is, is you whip it and then you mix it. Da, 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 da. And, um, you know, I'm like, mom, make this later. And then what they would do is, is they finally, they're done. They're ready to put it in the oven. And they're like, now you're going to bake it for 40 minutes. And you're like, I can't wait 40 minutes. And they stick it in, but they have another one that's already in there that's finished. And they're like, and this is what it's going to look like. You're like, yes, I didn't even know it was there. And, and, and I think that in, you know, March 15th, as we stepped into this very peculiar season, it was like, God, do you have a, do you, are you going to just get us out of this? And you're just going to snap your finger and then it's all kind of done. And what we're finding is, is this is an endurance thing. This thing's not going away overnight. Um, Theologically, it may never go away. We don't know. We're not trying to predict the future. We're trying to prepare. And what we do know is that there is a rock that doesn't move. Amen? God's word is our foundation. Thank you, Megan. Uh, Joe, what's the dust, the moon dust? The moon dust for me is... I, I ask myself, um, why do I f- feel like I need to win in this season? And the reason I ask that myself that question is because um, if, if I'm a Christ follower, um, then, then the work of my life has already been done on the cross when Jesus died. And he said it is finished. So, so what do I need to win? The victory has already been won. Um, and so then that, that pointed me to another question, and that was a question of faith. What do I actually... Uh, believe what do I actually believe and for me with the negative and the positive and the atmosphere and the chaos and the crisis that this is for me I just I tend to keep things simple in my thought process um purpose I go back to to purpose I'm I'm a simple-minded person and uh, one thing I like to say about about God and, and we say this in our houses is that he's simply complex you you can become as complex with him and and, and his word as you want, or you can be as simple as you want. And the simplicity of it is, is that um, he's a creator and he created every single one of us individually for specific reason and purpose. And he never created anything without a purpose. He never created anything without a purpose. And so what brings me back to center and what helps me get the dust off is this, is that everything God created, he created for a purpose. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like manufacturers who create this product. You know, most of us are, most of us are iPhone users. Some of us are still Android users. I don't know what that's all about, but we got a hang loose in the front. So, so when there's a, when there's a product, when there's a product, the manufacturer, the, the first thing you see um, is is the image of this company when you buy it. You go pick it up, you get this box, and, and before you see the actual product, uh, there's this image on, on the product. Well, that's the first thing you see. But the last thing that the manufacturer did was put that image on the box. That manufacturer was concerned with the image. That manufacturer was concerned with the product that it put out. And in the same way, Christ is concerned with us when he created everything, you remember when, when he created everything, he spoke to it, let there be light, let there be this, and he created everything. But then with us, he took a moment, he took a step back, and he said, let us create man out of our own image. So our lives have the stamp of the image of Christ. Heaven is a kingdom. I go back to this. And we are a product of this kingdom. And we have been created for purpose and dispatched for a specific reason. And that keeps me comfortable in, in this space. And there's this thing that happens um, when, you, when you get a product, there's, there's this book um, that's in the product. You open it. I'm ready for this iPhone. I see all the apps that I can download. I can run my whole life from my hand right now. And I open this thing. And the first thing I see is not the phone. The first thing I see is the instruction manual. 
the first thing I see is the mind, the intent of the designer. The same way our life is created. The first thing that God gives us is his word. And there's these words in these instruction manuals. It blows me away because I never read instruction manuals. I have a, a thing in my backyard, a screen door I got to put. I have to put it together or I'm going to ask Bill Bardo to put it. I'm just going to be honest. I never read instructions. Drives my wife nuts. It, it just, she just, but there's this thing that says, as it pertains to products, do not operate without reading this completely. You ever seen that? Do not operate without reading this completely. And then it says, if you have read these instructions completely and this product malfunctions, it has instructions. It says, take it back to an authorized dealer. Do not take this product to an unauthorized dealer. Social media, self-help, friends who are lost, friends who are still broken. But take it back to someone that our organization trusts. That's the kingdom of heaven. So we do the same thing with our lives sometimes, you know. We, we got this Bible. It's this book. It's beautiful, but it, it does seem instruction-like, you know. But it's important. If we don't read it, if we don't go through it, we will malfunction because we were created and designed to do something particular. And another level is we're created for this time. For this space, for this season. It's not an accident. So anyway, that's the, the moon dust. I shake it off by coming back to center. Does that help? That's a great word. I like it. So here's what I want to share um, real quick is this is what I was thinking about this week. Matthew chapter 16. You know that great discussion. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Oh, you're... Elijah, one of the prophets. Maybe John the Baptist has come back from the dead. But who do you say that I am? And Peter gives this answer. He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And here's the key. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My father has revealed this to you. This wasn't given because you were smart enough. This is the gift of your eyes being open and enlightened. So he has the gift of revelation of who Jesus is. I hope you have that revelation, okay? But just a few verses later, Jesus says, and I'm going to go to the cross and suffer and die. And Peter goes, no, you're not. Don't do it. I won't let you do it. He says, get behind me, Satan. So he's a revelation of who Jesus is, but does not have a revelation of what Jesus is doing. And there are Christians, good Christians, who go, I, I know who Jesus is. I know who my Savior is. I love the Lord. But we sometimes walk not knowing what's ahead, not understanding it. And that sometimes is okay. It's okay to go, I can't predict the future. What we do know is that the future is already seen by God. There are things that they were trying to, you know what? Tell us what's going to happen with Israel. What's going to happen? Acts chapter 1. Are you going to restore Israel? Hey, this is not for you to know. The times and the seasons. The Father has put. This is not granted for you right now to know and understand these things. So what are we going to stand upon? The revelation of who he is. If I don't know what he's doing, I go back to the revelation of who he is. He is good. He is Lord. He is faithful. That's where I stand. Because I don't always know what he's doing. Can I get a witness from anybody who's like, I, I don't know all that God's up to, okay? Or the next chapter, Matthew chapter 17, Mount Transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up, and Jesus is now glowing. The glory of the Lord, he's glowing. Peter gets this more revelation, who Jesus is. Moses and Elijah show up. This is amazing. Okay, if he had a phone, I'm sure he'd be doing like some photo, you know, <laughs> selfie. So what does he do? The next best thing. Doesn't have an iPhone. He says, let's build memorials. Je Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't get it. You know who I am, but you don't know what I'm doing. You're, you don't get it yet. And, and, and there's times, and I think that, that, that the church right now needs to ask for discernment because I think God does want to reveal what he's doing. 
I think like the next step is us understanding what God is up to. You could be saved not knowing the plan. You know the man. You know Christ Jesus. Awesome. That's the great gift. But I want to be a part of what he's doing. I don't want to be a knucklehead going through this season going, oh, let's just get through it. The church in this day and age has a low pain tolerance. Get us out of this. Get us out of this. What if this thing, whatever it is, we know there's demonic forces. We know there's influences of darkness. But what if the church is being set up for its greatest moment? What if? What if? That's our, we, 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 wanna, we want to not push away because there's pain. When God called Paul to ministry, he told Ananias, this is a great man. He's going to preach the gospel. I know he's persecuting, killing church, uh, Christians, but I've called him to preach the Gentiles and to suffer many things. We're like, suffer? That's not in our vocabulary. No, no, you don't get it. The more you have, there's a level of pain that you have to endure. Period. Right? Well, I want great revelation. Paul had great revelation. What did he get? A thorn in the flesh. Tried to pray it away three times. God was like, nope, I'm not getting rid of it. A thorn's not going to kill you. It's just annoying. Anybody have any things in your life that's annoying? Maybe it's keeping you humble. Keeping you, your feet on the earth, Right? So, so I think the church is being set up. Let's get the dust. Let's get the positive, negative, the left, the right, the that, the that. We have all these voices, the echo chamber. And, and, and I, this may offend somebody, but I am a Christian before I'm an American. Yeah, I am first a Christian. The, the first and second commandment, love God, love your neighbor, is more important to me than the first and second amendment. Yeah. 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 I'm a Christian first. Yeah. I'm loyal to Christ, his word. Amen? Yeah. That's first and foremost. So Do we live in a great country? I believe we, I've been to a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. We, we live in a flawed, broken country, but it's one of the best on the planet. I'm grateful for the liberty. Yeah. But let me just tell you this. Things don't always stay the same. Mm-hmm. I want to put my energy not in trying to preserve things that are easy, fun, comfortable. I want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I don't know. I just want, I want to hear what you're saying. Anyways, that's my spiel. That's the dust I'm trying to get off me. Amen? I just want to be a Christian first. What does a Christian do in this situation? What does a Christ follower do in this situation? I said enough. All right, I'm opening it back up to you guys. Where are we? Where are we? Yeah, so I, I totally agree, <clears throat> knowing Jesus, right? Um, but one of the things that occurred to me as I was hearing you talk is, like, I can know about George Washington by reading history, but I can't know George Washington. I can read the Bible like a history book, and I can know about Jesus. I can know a lot about Jesus, but I may not know him if I read it like history. And, and the reality is I can, I can know him. And the, the concept of knowing about him, I, I see kind of in the, the bracelet, WWJD, what would Jesus do if he were here? What would Jesus do if he could talk to me? Well, he is here. He can talk to me. So the bracelet I'd prefer to wear would be like, Jesus, what are we doing in this moment? But what emerged uh, Friday at a um, uh, a get-together at my house was this dialogue about our, our the tensions in our world today. And and the question that kind of emerged at our dinner table was like, um, do we have a race issue or do we have a relational issue? Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about relationship with Jesus, but we, we, there are tensions in the world that are like, when I walk out, what am I going to face? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so it just, it actually brought this picture to my mind um, of when my wife was pregnant with our, our third child and she was iodine deficient. So she had to paint iodine on her stomach, and it left this stain. And if she was deficient, by the time she woke up in the morning, it would be gone. And so she'd have to paint it on again and until the iodine left the mark for a while, and then she had enough. And what that showed was that the testing for iodine was also the treatment. And what emerged in our conversation was if we have a relational issue, then checking in with people that are in my world who may be on the other side of, of the story, 
if I check in, maybe that's also the treatment that I care, that I want to know, where are you at? What's your world? Like, what's your story? But I, I'm just, I, we've known each other. How long, Joe? Was I met you when I was 22. 22. Working at, working at, I think, Slake, either Slakey or Pace. Pace, Pace yeah. yeah. Pace, tw yeah, so 22, 23. Yeah, and, and we've had a lot of talks Yeah. <laughs> about this real stuff way before this ever showed up. Mm -hmm. And, but, but... I'm on one side and you're yeah. on another, yeah. and and I'm, I don't know. Am I speaking, kind of arrogantly to to say that's a real, that's a possible scenario? Yeah. What do you think? That's a great question. The answer is no. It's a great, it's a great question, and it's a great theory to apply. It's a great question to ask. Racism is generational, and right now we're seeing it, and it's 2020, and 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 it's it was supposed to be done a long time ago, you know. And you think, uh, in 2020, why, how are we seeing this? Why are we seeing this? Um, my grandparents' experience, my, my, my great-grandma picked cotton. Why, why, why is my daughter hearing this? What, why is this happening? Wow. Um, it's generational. Um, it is racism, but then there is, a, because generations get better. Every generation, we get smarter. We get wiser. We create more efficient things. Um, and then this is racism, but it has become relational because of because of the hatred that is the root, the, the lie, the sin that's the root of this, this racism. It's become relational. It's created barriers for people not to cross. I don't want to cross this uh, barrier, and it becomes um, it becomes ignorance. It becomes just this thing holding us back. I was at work um, in the ER, and uh, I remember um, uh, law enforcement brought this guy in, and he was he was. He, he had a mask on and, and he, he was belligerent. He was out of his mind. And um, so we, I went to give him care and they took his mask off. And he, he, this man called me every name in the book. <laughs> you know how they say every, every name other than the child of God? It was hilarious. <laughs> he called me every name in the book. And at the time, uh, really close friends of mine, they were, I was considering going to work, you know, for law enforcement. And so... Um, they, they brought this guy in and they were, they were videoing this exchange and he had went out of his mind and he called me everything and everyone in the room was so uncomfortable. But it, it was in that moment, um, I, I felt God's presence in that moment. Uh, I was in my scrubs. I did have a natural reaction. I wanted to react, but I felt God's presence. Um, and I told the guy, the kid, he was, I told the kid, I said, in this, today in this moment, you, you're loved. The reason that you're loved is because if you had said the things that you said to me to someone else, it would be a different outcome. But I want you to know that you are loved and there's purpose for your life. And then we gave them care and we left. I remember looking at the, the officers in the room. A couple of them, were, they were ready to roll. They were like, no, dude, this is not okay. Ready to roll. After that, not long after that, I got a call from one of the lieutenants and they said, he said, hey, I just watched this video on my officer's camera. And he said, that was your interview. If you ever want to work for this department, you can. Wow. You can. And it was because I know that in every moment of relationship gap, chasm, there's an opportunity. I, can, I have a choice. I can choose how to respond. I can choose how to react. I can choose to, to respond in anger or... I can choose love in Christ. The people before me that look like me, they sacrificed so I can make that decision. They couldn't make it. They sacrificed so I can have the ability to make that decision. So what I would say is, ask. You see a person of color? Just I was, I was having a conversation uh, earlier today. This is, what, this is what I ask. This is what I want. This is just me. I just, in the room, usually I'm the only person of color everything I do. I'm usually the only black man in the room. And this is all I want. I just want to be treated normal. That makes sense? So if, if two people that don't look like me, they see each other, hey, man, how's it going? Shake hand, boom, boom, boom. And they see me, they're like, hey, and they keep walking. What was that? <laughs> it happens. Not that it's on purpose, but they just don't know. So me being who I am, I go right up to him. Hey, buddy, how are you? <laughs> yeah. 
that's how that goes. You break that down. Your children see it. So I don't know. It is. It's relational. There is hate at the, the root of it. But, but, it's, but, it, but it's also relational. Yeah, thank you. Wow. Cain and Abel, it's from the very beginning. It's from the very beginning. Um, and that blood cries out. And, and I don't, that, that scripture is kind of haunting. It is. Like the, the blood of the innocent cries out. Yeah. And that's, uh, so that's something we need to, as a, even as a church, as a, the body of Christ, have to sit in and be uncomfortable with for a little while and ask the hard questions. So, Joe, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, not, that's not easy. I don't, I, I, maybe it is. I don't know. I, you know, it, it, what it is for me is it's encouraging. And I, when I see this, I think about two things. And I, we, we had a, a great conversation, you and I. But what I, I think about the people before me and I think about the people coming after me, I feel a huge burden and responsibility. Um, it is so easy to stand in um, separation and hate. It's so easy to say they did this and I'm not going to do this. I know preachers like that. I know African-American pastors who are like that. Uh, it, it's Sunday being as segregated as it is, that shows you where and how it exists and how many people are not willing to take the step. That's true. It's true. And so to break the barriers down, it just takes courage. And if you don't get it right, at least you took a step. You don't have to know everything. Don't bring opinion. I, a guy, I saw a guy yesterday. I was so opinionated. I was so, I was so judgmental and I was so wrong. He, he, we, had a, we had a get-together for my daughter, one of her friends. This man was a big, huge white man, 300 pounds, 6'3", big American flag shirt on and a, and a, and a, and a hunter camouflage hat. And, and he was from Louisiana with that deep Louisiana, you know, bang, dong, bang, bang. That's exactly how they sound, just in case you want to know. He came up to me and he started talking to me and I asked him how much courage did it take for you to come talk to me because I was the only black man in the room. And he said, not much because you're just a man like I am. So we start talking, talking about hunting. We both hunt. And he, he asked me something and my wife was laughing because then it made me uncomfortable because I was ignorant. He said, hey, I would love to take you back to Louisiana to go bird hunting. I went, no way, but <laughs> Louisiana? <laughs> Why would I say no? Because I was afraid of something that didn't even exist. Wow. This man's bringing me back to his family. So then I thought, how powerful would it be if he brought me back and I show up with him in Louisiana and we bird hunting? Yeah. I may come back with an accent, but, uh, you know, <laughs> how, how amazing would that be? Amen. Relation. Amen. He, was, he was courageous enough to come up and, and, and not look at anything other than the fact that here's a human. And I judged him yeah. walking up. I judged him. So that's why I say both sides, you know, have to be honest, Amen. be courageous enough to, to bring so good. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, here's what's so interesting to me is I have not met one person who has seen the George Floyd video and went, oh, that's I, not one person that said, oh, that's not appalling. Yeah. That was justified. Not one person. Everybody is like, that is awful. Yeah. That's, a, that's murder in the streets. But... As you begin to talk, you start to see this, this divergence of opinions. Mm -hmm. What's the answer? Whose fault was it? How do we fix it? And the chasm gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and that, to me, is the hard part. Mm -hmm. The echo chamber, the emotions, the, I, it's so much. And I, you know, as a, as a, as a white man, mm -hmm. searching my heart, being a part of the conversation... I want to be a part of the solution. Amen. I don't want to take on the frustration right. of either side that's thinking with the emotion. I want to say, how do I really move forward? Even if it's incremental, even if, it's, mm -hmm. even if it seems silly. Mm -hmm. you know, and I've heard people say, when go across, people say, I've never met my neighbors. They were, they're, they're black yep. and they lived across the yep. street and I, I decided to go across. That is is one small step for man, yep. one giant leap for mankind. It's true. It's true. It's 100%. Because the government's not our savior. Yeah. The UN or these groups, like, 
fix it, fix it. Man, it has to be fixed here. And judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We've got to start saying, hey, let's clean up our mess. Yep. And then God <laughs> judge the world. But it's, it's got to start here. Yeah, 100%. So yeah. thank you for sharing, yeah. bro. Love it. Megan? Yes, I think a lot of the whole relational talk, I think two questions I try to ask myself every day um, that are just relationally grounded is, am I growing closer to Christ? Am I growing closer to looking like Christ? I think if we ground ourselves in those two questions every day, we can just make small steps (laughs) forward um, that over time will just make a real impact, not only in our own lives and the people who are directly around us, but really like our community, our church family, Santa Rosa, Sonoma County, the United States, um, even the world. Like if we can just measure those small incremental changes over time, if today have I grown closer to Christ and have I grown closer to looking like Christ? And I think that's really how this change is going to start within the church. Hey, I want to bring this up. I forgot all about this till you were talking, Megan. Um, do you remember like a year ago, mm-hmm. someone sent me a, a racial joke? Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> and and I didn't share it with anybody, right. but I shared it with you. Mm-hmm. I, I actually responded. I said, I, I don't want to hear this. Why are you sending this to me? Right. Like, don't ever send me this again. Right. Um, I, I later had a conversation with that person, mm-hmm. and it, it, it opened a door for us to, 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 but I just like, I could have easily been like, ha ha, you're dumb. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, that's still, I, I, I said, no, mm-hmm. I'm not allowing you mm-hmm. to invite me into that insanity. That's huge. Because that burden that people have carried is too great to joke around about. It's huge. It, I would never consider what I've experienced real racism. I've experienced ignorance, and we've seen senseless murders. But the people who came before me, they were held back. But they also sacrificed so I can be here today. And I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity my father-in-law, when I, I remember um, I, when I met Courtney and I asked for her hand in marriage, we had an engagement party. And um, one of his friends did the same thing. He sent a joke. And he said, what are you guys going to eat, fried chicken and watermelon? Oh. And my father-in-law called him. And he, he said, hey, I've, we've been friends for 25 years. Um, but you can never come to my house again. Mm. He said... If you ever met my son-in-law, he'd be the most delightful person you ever. And so I didn't know what happened. And, and, and so when my father-in-law told me, it, it was a year later, he was ashamed to tell me because he was ashamed that he had ever, you know, you know, been friends with someone who would say something like that. And I thought, how courageous of you to a lifelong, you know, 25-year friend on my behalf. And so now, again, I'm faced with an opportunity. I'm going to show him that you don't have to believe what you've seen about people of my color on TV or on social media. We're intellectuals. We're smart. We stay home with our children. That makes sense? He, he had questions that I answered, and it wasn't just words. It was with my actions. So I've seen that, and it's, that lands on your lap before it lands on mine. You got a friend who says something to you about someone that you love. How am I, I going to respond to that? How am I going to handle it? And it's in that moment where if you handle it incorrectly, he may walk away and say, oh, Chad's, Chad thinks the same way I do. Amen. Which is, you know, so I, I really, yeah, that, that's a huge piece of it. It's a huge piece of it. Um, it, goes, it goes both ways. So I, someone asked me, you know, we always keep saying we don't have the answer to this. This is a very hard conversation, and it's uncomfortable. I like, I like, to, I like to make people uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> But it's uncomfortable. But here's the, here's the answer. We do have the answer. It's already been answered. But the play out, we're still in the middle of the play out. The answer is love. The answer is love. But we're still walking it out. And at the end of it, there's insecurities and things that we have to be honest about to get over so we can love each other. That's the same thing Christ did for us. He doesn't even know sin. What if he, st- what if he stuck with that? What if he never became man and, he, and humbled himself 
to human and said, that was so bad that I cannot go and have a relationship with them. Mm. It's the mm. same thing as, 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 as hatred, separation, and, and racism. So the answer is love, but we got to find out. And, and it, I mean, we're talking about a lot of awesome things here, about how do we just bridge a gap? How do we reach out and have a conversation? But, but I think we got to ask ourselves some other questions, like what, what, what would I do if? <clears throat> and so you know who used to work with me, yeah. right? Um, yeah. A guy who yeah. was a, a hardcore yeah. Mexican gangbanger. Yeah. And um, amazing, long story, so many God encounters. At one point, he heard I was going to have a daddy date with my kids, one of my kids. And he says, what do you do on that? Well, I, with my son, we play chess. And he goes, I want my daddy date. This guy, we go to, another, to mm -hmm. a customer's mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. We're working there, and I'm doing my stuff, and he's doing his stuff, helping me. And then um, this woman kind of has a challenge with him being with me because mm -hmm. of his, mm -hmm. his nationality. She ends up calling me back like a month later, and she goes, oh, are you so-and-so? You have that guy who works for you? And, and because of a video in the community, people wanted me to come as their plumber because I, I had him with me. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, well, I wanted to refer you, but my friend will have to make her decision based on mm. him being with me. And, and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <clears throat> I said, anybody who's willing to be a friend of yours, I would never work for. Yeah. Yeah. And he looked at me in my truck and he was like jaw dropped that I would lose business mm -hmm. over that to defend him. Yeah. What are you gonna do mm -hmm. when you face that? Because mm -hmm. it does exist. Mm -hmm. How are we gonna love, mm -hmm. not just say a nice thing, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I got you, but yeah. Are we going to defend? Are we going to be there for those who are in our lives? we got to face those questions, and that proves something. Yeah, and I think that just goes further towards us being made into the image of Christ daily because in the Bible, the Pharisees hated Jesus because he was eating with sinners and tax collectors and the people that no one wanted to have those hard conversations with and no one wanted to bridge that relational chasm with. So as we like take steps towards that, that's us being like Jesus in today's world. It's a different person. It's a different um, discrimination. It's different racism, but it's the same idea and it's the same yeah. issues that Jesus was facing for stepping across that bridge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So true. Um, anyone want to add anything else? I'm encouraged. Um, you, 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 again, I think about the generations behind me. I think about the every, all of us, not just one color. But I'm encouraged. You know, in the midst of this um, coronavirus, I was so encouraged watching our church um, absolutely, absolutely be able to pivot at the drop of a dime and be flexible to continue to bring the message of the cross to to Santa Rosa. So. And to so many, to, to so many others, I'm super encouraged because um, never in my life have I seen. I've even asked um, older people. I have some uncles who are getting up there and some aunts who are getting up there in age, um, who 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 were alive in the 50s, and and then there's some uh, older people in in the in, in the generation. And I asked them, um, does it feel different now than back then? And they said, absolutely different. And the difference is, is because it's uh, it's global. Um, everyone is aware. Um, we're, we're a super connected generation. And so it's not us against them. It's everyone against wrong. Mm. And it'll start to fizzle out. So they're encouraged. And some of them are saying, I, I, I didn't think I'd ever see it. You know why they say that? It's because it existed and it was ignored, mm. even today. Even today. So I'm encouraged. So this is, this is what I'm noticing, and I, we're going to close here in just a second. Uh, thank you guys for just hanging on, and we're just having fun talking up here. This is great. Um, Jesus said like this. He said, um, the world will hate you because they hate me. Okay? The world will be offended in me. Okay? But you know where we've landed? The church is offended at the world. Is that crazy? Like, the world will be offended at me. That's one thing. But the church has an offense. I see Christians, I can't believe the world and the way they're treating it. Da, 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 da. And politicians, they don't get. Listen, the world is the world. Yeah. 
And that's what they do good at, is acting bad. The wrong, the wrong mindset, the wrong, the wrong worldview. Why are we so confused by the world being dark? You know what I'm saying? And so the church is now offended because worldly people, worldly leaders are making worldly decisions. You see what I'm saying? This should be no surprise to us. Darkness is darkness. Light is light. And I think the church, we as the church, I think this is the moment that we have to find clarity. Clarity within our soul, in the word of God, and with our, with our spiritual eyes. We've got to get the dust off so we can see clearly. Because we have to have discernment for the times. We've got to make good and right decisions. And we can, let's not waste our waiting. Again, guys, we'll get into this in July. I'm going to teach on this a little bit, the end times discussion. I don't know what the future holds, but there is a closing of the books. And the church, like we want to have the right mindset of of what is this season bringing. We're not going to waste our waiting. We are going to prosper in this season. We are going to grow. We are going to see people come to faith. It may look different but it's going to happen. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You have the Holy Spirit in you, and that makes you strong, Amen. and that makes you courageous, and that gives you the power to see the Word of God. You remember National Treasure? All they needed was the glasses, these little glasses, and they go, oh, I'm seeing more than what everybody else is seeing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's like the lenses to go, oh, it's leaping off the page. You have something the world doesn't have, yeah, and it separates you into a knowing, into an understanding, into a spirit that doesn't get offended. Whatever the world brings, Christ is going to be victorious. Whatever happens, we will see victory. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's give our panel a hand. Thank you guys so much. Hey, I want to, I want to pray us out, and then we're going to have a, a song just to take a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. But I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I honor you. I thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for every member, the finger, the ear, the eye, the mouth, and its diversity. But there's one thing that makes us the same is we're connected to the head. The head is sending the signals. We've got to stay connected stay connected. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches in this season. Help us to be aware of what you're doing in the earth. And Lord, let us love mercy and justice. Let us love truth and not believe a lie. Help us, Lord, to own our identity. And Lord, help us to be planted upon the rock, building our life upon the rock. Stir us, stir us, stir us, stir us. In Jesus' name, we honor you, we worship you. Hey, come on, sing with us. Lift your hands and your hearts and sing together.